Saturday, so uh, if you want to have a look, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, he will be on there. And also the London Conference was mentioned earlier, um, although uh, everyone needs to register, it is free to the pe- people outside of London, so there's no cost, okay, registering, but you still do need to register if you want to go to that, um, and just, you know, make, it, make a good time of it. Catch an early train, nice and cheap, London Midland, and uh, have a bit of fun. Anyhow, today's sermon uh, is quite simply called The Two Dollar Bill. And I have one in my pocket. There we go, two dollar bill. I also have, dig deep, sweetie wrapper, no. Sweetie wrapper's no good. There we go. I also have a quarter, a five cent piece, a dime, and a cent. They're all different sizes, but they all have one thing in common. What do they have in common? Americans, very good, yeah. That's very good. What else? Sorry? Purchase, yeah. Value, yeah. Who said that? Very good. Every one of these says, in God we trust. So even on the $2 bill, it says, in God we trust. Even, and my eyesight can't see it, but I did use a magnifying glass, even the scent has it, in God we trust. You know, that's a big claim to make for a nation, to say, in God we trust. But I also think it's quite a big statement for Christians to make as well. Because, you know, when you start thinking, well, in God we trust, what does that actually mean? If you turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You know, why is it that it's so hard to trust God. What is it that makes it hard to trust God? I'm going to open it to the floor. Why, what are some of the things that make it hard to trust in God? Can't see him, Can't see him yeah. Doubt, yeah. We want to be in control, yeah, very good. Impatience, yes. Yeah, things don't always go the way you want. Sorry? Having faith, yes. Sorry? Respect, yeah. Very good. We trust him, you have to obey him. Get Ricky to come and do the sermon instead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a number of reasons why we find it difficult to trust. Um, and sometimes it's just simply because God's ways don't always make sense to us. You know, when you start thinking at some of the things, because, you know, they don't always make sense. And you look at the great men of faith in the Bible and you think, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, if God came to, to me and said, hey, hey Scott, I'm, you know, we know it's never going to happen now because he said there won't be another one, there's going to be a rainbow to remind us, but there's going to be a flood and I want you to build a boat. And, you know, you go, well, what? And it's going to take you all this time to do it. You know, it doesn't make sense to us, does it? Certain things don't make sense to us because we're not looking at things in the way that uh, God would. If you look in Isaiah 55, 
If you just turn your Bibles to there. It says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth's, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, sometimes it is difficult to make sense of things. You know, we depend on the things that we have. We, we sometimes find it difficult to um, deal with anything that's beyond our senses or our understanding. I know for me, recently, as you get older, things start going a bit funny um, in life. Um, uh, I've, I've had a situation recently where I start driving in a car park and I get to fifth, sixth floor of a multi-storey car park and there's a fear comes over me when I'm trying to reverse my car to the outside wall. Now, if you're in the car with me, that's not a very exciting prospect. But it's there. Now, in my mind, I'm saying, no, this is wrong, this can't be happening. But there's, the feeling is there. Because I'm feeling it. I, uh, and it, it's a, it was a funny sort of thing. And it happened, it's happened twice, so we're doing something to sort it out, breaking the sort of this system of, that's there so that it doesn't happen again in the future. Because uh, I don't want to scare anybody that's in the car with me at the time. You know, it's not great. I suppose anyone wants, no one wants to come with me anywhere now, do they? No. I'm going to take you out in the car. But, uh, you know, your, your senses, but those are my senses. But we, can, we can't under... Some of the things that God wants us to do, we don't understand. And it's, it's very difficult to trust God. Say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. I think the other thing is, sometimes God works on a different timetable to us, doesn't he? My timetable, when I want uh, uh, God to answer something that I've got in my life, my timetable is, uh, well, within a week, hopefully. You know, some of us might be quicker. I know when I'm in a restaurant, I expect my food back on the table in 15 minutes, and I'm not too happy if it ain't getting past that. So uh, it's a good thing to test my patience is when I'm in a place. Um, but you think about someone like um, Abraham. He was told, you're going to have a child. His wife was barren, wasn't expecting it. 24 years he waited. It's not a great prospect. I don't want to wait 24 years to have the answer. But that's, you know, sometimes his timing is different. He works on a different timetable from us. You know, life issues. What life issues? We discussed some of the life issues. But, you know, pain, suffering, they, they can affect you. Uh, again, one of those things that comes on, we've just been on a holiday, and Jonathan wants to play tennis every day. Now, after a while, after I'm play, playing tennis, my right foot becomes a bit like a lead weight, for whatever reason. You know, and uh, Jonathan doesn't show much compassion on the tennis court. <laughs> if anything, a complete lack of it, I would say. So, if I'm running one way, he isn't going to hit it back towards me, He's going to make sure he hits it the other way. So then he sees me having to run that way, and then he'll whack it the other way. And you can imagine what I'm feeling like after a couple of sets of that. I'm going back to the lodge that we were staying in. I'm hobbling up each day. I have a couple of ibuprofen, and I'm ready for the next day. So, you know, but pain and suffering are things that can detract us. You know, that's why I'm always so proud of people in our church, you know, like Paul Henry, 
who's constantly suffering and others that just uh, how people deal with that because I know for me it's very difficult but those, those sort of things can affect us uh, and put us off now evil in the world the lack of justice I don't know about you but for me the lack of justice is something I struggle with now I look at things and that's not just that's not right I saw even a program recently on TV that was about um, it was Jane Seymour it's this where are you from basically where you've come from in life and it goes back to your ancestry and I think it was her great aunt and great uncle I think that was the relationship but they were, they were Jewish uh, they were in Warsaw and in Warsaw they made an area that they kept all the Jews they managed to get out of that uh, through some other uh, Polish people uh, and then uh, they, they moved across down to Marseille although the, the, the actual guy the, the husband because uh, they had to keep them separated they didn't stay together kept them separated On the very, as the Germans were pulling out he just looked out a window and a German soldier just walking past shot him just because he's in the window just thought well shoot him now to me those sort of things and then that woman she did eventually get out she moved down, went down to Marseille, Marseille I don't know how to say it, it's south coast France which was I didn't un- understand um, what the, uh, the, the I didn't actually understand that there was, a, there was a part of France that was controlled by the Germans and there was a part that was controlled by the Vichy but you know you learn a bit of history of these things but it was actually the French who rounded up the Jews in the southern part of France and uh, gave them over to the Germans and things like that. So certain things you think, oh, that's not right, that's not just. And eventually, and now she made her way to Switzerland, this woman, um, but she only had a six-month um, visa, or whatever you like to call it, stay of uh, staying there. And when the six months was up, she just wandered off in despair. She actually went and lived with her sister and brother-in-law. She went off in despair and just basically committed suicide in a landscape, not nice view area. But injustice, I just feel, you know, injustice, you know, that's the sort of thing that, uh, why is there so much injustice? But it's no, it's all in God's timing, it's all in God's control, a bit like was being mentioned earlier. Things happen and uh, it's leaving it to God and trusting in God in these situations. I always find difficult. I think our own insecurity, lack of self-esteem, these things can sometimes make it difficult for us to be rejoicing in God. Because when you have a lack of confidence, a lack of self-esteem, it's very easy to try and please others. Because that's the habit, isn't it? You, you want to be feel secure and, and trying to get security in God. And these are all the things that God wants us to trust in him with. You know, he says, trust in the Lord with, your own, with your, all your heart and lean not on your, your own st- understanding. You know, most of us, we tend to say that we trust in God, don't we? That's what we say. Um, but it's when we have these trials and difficulties that come on that makes it more difficult for us. That really tests us. You know, the one thing, though, that I get comfort from is that I know God's overlooking and he's, he's trying in every way to make things better for us. Um, if you turn in your Bibles to Romans 8.28... Romans 
In 828 it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, it's good to know he's always looking out for the best ways to help us in our lives. That may not be the ways that we would like it to be, but he's always looking for that. Again, in Hebrews 12, too, we know this one uh, very well. It says, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it out because you'll, you'll remember it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, for, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, God is always looking out for the best thing for us. It doesn't necessarily make sense to us. You know, why are we going through this? Why is this happening in life? But it's there for a purpose. And if we can just see God's purpose sometimes in what's going on around us, it does, it does help. You know, in every situation, I think, in life where we have to endure something, there's something we can learn. Everything that happens. You know, we have many plans. I, you know, we have many plans that go wrong on a daily basis. I had a plan today that this morning I was going to go in and deal with the 284 emails that I haven't looked at since I've been on holiday. Um, and that's after I'd got rid of all the spam ones because I did that on my iPad and it was just the ones I was going to do at work. I turned up to work and my computer didn't work. So we all have plans and ways and things that we want to get done. And they go wrong. Are we going to get stressed out by it or are we just going to trust in God? In 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18, it says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieved for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In James 1, 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, God is always looking for us, helping us, trying to work things out for us. Now, how do we know that we're trusting in God? And I'll open that up to how do you. How do we know that we're trusting in God? Any answers?
Yeah. Does anyone here ever feel stressed? <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's putting those anxieties across. Sorry, right at the back, Ruth? Yeah. Yeah, very good. When you surrendered, yes. Yeah. 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 You can see that. You're, sorry. Yeah. When you pray about something, you know, handing. What it is? It's all handing over to God, isn't it? You can. You can see it. You can see when you're trusting God. It's when we're basically when we're being obedient to the way that God asks us to be. When we look at the scriptures and say, well, this is what we need to do. This is difficult, but this is the way we need to do it. This is trusting in God. And obedience is not a word that I naturally like, I must admit. Um, And our children don't always necessarily like the word obedience. But it's there, and it's there for a purpose in the Bible. Please turn your Bibles to 1 John 1.5. From 1.5 to 2.6 it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lies. My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his words, God's love is made truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You know, though some of these scriptures that we read in the Bible are sometimes quite challenging, aren't they? When I read that, I I need to walk as Jesus did. It's a challenging scripture, but when you know that the Father loves you so much, it does make it a lot easier. In Hebrews 10, 25 to 29, it says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated us, treated us as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him? 
and who has insulted the spirit of grace. You know, things in our lives, we have always have issues in our lives, don't we, that need to be dealt with. I know I have issues that I need to deal with in my life. And I've been around the church now for quite a long time now. It's, I think it's over 30 years now um, that I decided, first decided to become a, a, a disciple. It was about 30 years ago. But one of the things I have found is very important is when I'm studying the Bible with someone, just trying to help them to see the greatness of God and what God has for them in store for their life, I do talk to them directly about issues in their lives, things that are getting in the way. Now we call it finding, looking at that and repenting, repentance. And I find that if I don't deal with some of those issues, they only haunt that person after they've been baptised. They come back and haunt them and hurt them. So it really does help. Now, you're not necessarily going to uh, sort all that out when you're studying yourself, but at least you know, get in there, help them in their lives. Just talk about how important it is for these things to be dealt with. Because it does. It comes back. All of us, before we made a decision to put Christ the head of our household or our lives, we had issues to deal with, didn't we? There were things that we had to change. There were lifestyle things we had to change. There were issues in our lives that we had to change. Funny thing is, that doesn't change. Once you've got baptised, yeah, we're, we're safe, we're secure in God. But there are always things still to deal with. Always things that we need to work on. And many of us have been in a situation where something that we've had before we've been a Christian has been damaging for our spiritual lives, comes back and it can entrap us. And that's why the great thing about the church is if we're close as a fellowship and helping one another, we can help one another through those situations. Not always, though, do the things happen beforehand. Some of us were, became Christians in our younger days, shall we say. You know, when you're very young. And there's issues in life that you've not been exposed to. You know, for men uh, or women, purity when you're younger might not necessarily be an issue. But as life goes on, it becomes more of an issue. Now, those are sort of things that we just need to constantly be working on uh, if, if it's there, just confessing it, dealing with it. You know, I've seen a lot of people that I've studied the Bible with who um, have had issues we couldn't quite deal with them all. We still baptise them. Some of them have been bodybuilders, uh, one or two of those. And you can imagine what their struggle was after they became Christians. They were struggling with vanity, and uh, there'd be uh, one or two of them be the first ones to take their top off when we had a sports day and walk around like this. Now, certain things are very damaging for you and for the fellowship. And it's always important that we deal with those issues and, and sort those issues out with one another, help one another. In fact, I don't think in the 30 years that the, there's not someone I've dealt with who hasn't hit one of the Galatians 5.19 scriptures. 
including witchcraft and warlocks. I've studied a warlock. The, the most amazing thing about the warlock who I studied with down in London, this was when I was in London, the thing that I, what has absolutely amazed me about this warlock, and he used to go, used a lo- local church, they used to do sacrifices there when the church was empty at night. Um, not human. Um, it was animal sacrifice. Um, that, that one would reported. But anyhow, they, uh, the thing that amazed me is when we opened the scriptures, he didn't need any help in understanding the Bible. He knew clearly what the right way to become a disciple was. It was a very much an, an eye-opener for me. You know, we went through and everything we hit smack on. But when it came down to it, I said, well, why don't you live this then? It's because he preferred to live the way he was living. And it, all it does, it just damages us. It damages us as individuals. If we don't deal with things, um, you know, and you, and you know in your own heart if there are issues with, you know. I know my own heart of things that, uh, you know, like patience. Now, I get impatient from time to time. Um, and I know it harms my relationship with my wife, with my children, those around me. Um, you know, and it blurs my thinking when I'm in a restaurant or something. You know, woe betide if you do something like you put my wife's tyre wheel on incorrectly, you don't tighten the bolts up properly, and it breaks, and I find out about it. Because when, when that happens, I'll bang every legislation you know at you. And it's interesting, because my mindset then is not, hey, here's an opportunity here to help someone get to know God. That is not where my mind is. My mind is off planet Scott, doing something completely weird. You know, Claire and Jonathan were down at the tire place, and uh, they said, uh, it's really weird, after they'd spoken to you, this guy became very grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's not declaring Christ. You know, it's something I need to deal with and develop with my friends so I can deal with that sort of thing, so that I can use the opportunities. See, there's an opportunity. Did I see that as an opportunity? No. And it takes a bit of time to learn these things. I had a phone call yesterday from the people that are doing our kitchen. Message, do you still want to go ahead? Uh, you need to make your payment. Can you see us today? And I'm like, well, hang on, sir. We saw the fitter on Thursday. Why is it all of a sudden my problem? But... Anyhow, I walked into the place today, I'm calm, and we had a nice chat, and it was fine. So I learned I don't have to do it that way. I can do it God's way, and it still works. But someone might become a Christian if I do it God's way. You know, in all these things, let's just be honest about the things in our lives. Find some friends. You've got people in the church and the fellowship that you know well, get close to them. Because you need, that's the only way you can help. Through prayer and all sorts of, you know, through prayer, petition to God, fasting, 
You know, be serious about the things because they just harm you. God doesn't want them there because it harms you. You know, your, your salvation is not going to disappear. But deal with them. Uh, become more like Christ. That's the calling we've got. Now, when even thinking about things about, you know, that scripture we talked about earlier, um, do not give up meeting together, together as some in the habit of doing. That's, that's there for a reason. It's not so that every Sunday, Friday, whatever service we have, that everyone's here and it's a tick box. It's because God sees the need for us to have fellowship, to be together. That's what he sees. That's, that's what all this advice is about. And when it tells us to do these things, it's not anything unusual. It's, it's advice. This is what's best for you. Do this and it will help you. You know, even Jesus had to learn obedience. In Hebrews 5, 7-10, it says the following. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in order of Melchizedek. You know, as I said before, obedience is not a word that actually sits comfortably with me. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to learn obedience the way that Jesus had to learn obedience, which was to suffer. So I'd rather do it the way that I can through fellowship, through other things, to, to not have to suffer. Because um, we don't have to suffer. I want to show a quick example of someone who was uh, trusting and obedient in the Bible. And there are masses. But one, one of the ones I love is in Judges. If you turn your Bibles to Judges 7, verse 1. This is Gideon. So in Judges... verse 1 it says early in the morning Jeroboam that is Gideon sorry Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Aram the camp of Midian Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah the Lord said to Gideon you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Odds are slightly changed. 32,000 down 10. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them out for you there. If I say this, one shall go with you. You shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who lack the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred men lapped with their hands to their mouths. 
all the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So he's gone down to three hundred. Now, if I'm in that situation, I've got to admit, about 32,000 against the Midianites, and I'm leading them, I'm thinking, okay, it's a bit of a scrap, but we should come out of this. Now, you're telling me to go with 300, that's a bit different. That's a bit more of a, right, 300 against all this camp, right. Great thing about Gideon, he didn't flinch, he was just obedient. But the other thing I find interesting in this passage was the reason that God did this. He got it down to 300. He wanted to get down to 300 because he didn't want Israel then to struggle because thinking that they were able to do it. God loves odds that don't stack up. You know, in our lives, he likes odds that don't stack up. Things that we can't see happening because he loves that. He loves to give us opportunities that don't work, don't make sense. And we see that here. And isn't it amazing, you know, people ask about, I mean, I know science has changed its way of thinking now, and most scientists now say that, well, there was a designer of this world and designer of us. They don't put it down to God. They don't call it God, but they're at least accepting that sort of thing. But isn't it amazing that God could recognise one of our characteristics in our lives that we like to take gratitude things for ourselves. And uh, he says, right, I'm going to take that away. And you're going to, the only way you're going to win is you're going to understand it's me. And he loves those things. And, you know, you, you can be in any sort of situation in your life. You can have anything that's going on and think, you know, I don't know how I'm going to go, how I'm going to deal with this. Now, those things that are hidden in your heart that you're struggling with, God can help deal with those. I mean, one of the interesting things when I was putting this sermon together, I mean, I did look at a lot of different um, church, doct- doctrinal churches, more the traditional churches, I would say. Uh, there's some that are, you know, when you think there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different Christian groups, I did look at all these different ones, and they all talk about trusting and obeying and the importance of obedience. And they all, they all basically agreed that obedience to the scriptures, obedience to what Christ wanted us to do was a very important thing for us as Christian lives. The amazing thing, the one that was very clear on that, ended up saying, now that you've read this and you want to give your life over to God, please pray the sinner's prayer, which you will find at www. Anything? Hang on a sec. Obedience, sinner's prayer. But it also made me realise how easy it is to find something that suits me rather than necessarily obeying the Bible. It's important for us to deal with issues in life, sort these things out. You know, one thing that I am sure about is God wants us to obey all Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed, as used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, righteousness. All Scripture. And he wants us to use it all in our lives. And, you know, and that's what I saw around these different groups is they were focusing on certain things and certain issues because it suited them. You know, you can, you can find a church that 
um, will go with your sexual connotation and misuse the scriptures to do that. You can find a church that says that it's, you know, the main thing is money and wealth. You can find all these things. They're out there. But, you know, time and time again, I go back and look at my Bible and say, no, this is what's right. What I need to do is I need to focus on myself and deal with my issues and become more Christ-like. Before I ask the worship team to come up while we pray, I want to go back to the $2 bill I mentioned earlier. The reason the $2 bill is rare in the United States, there's not many in circulation, is the way that treasuries work, now obviously when the $2 bill first came out, the average wage was $15 uh, a month. So $2 bill was quite useful then. The way treasuries work is a treasury uh, will only reprint money that's needed, that's in the circulation. So you get a $2 bill, if it goes back to the bank, the bank says, well, that's not in a good state, then they it gets destroyed and a new one's printed. And that's how they work. So if all the coinage and everything goes on, it's, it's in a bad state. And they reckon the $2 bill uh, only gets, it lasts about 10 to 12 times more than other bills in the United States. But that's because... A lot of people keep the $2 bill because they think it's rare. So people keep, keep them. And foreigners go over there to get a $2 bill. They oh, this is unusual. And they bring them back to England. <laughs> so they get taken out of circulation. And therefore, they don't produce anymore because they're, out of you know, they're, they're not being circulated. You know, that's not what we want true Christianity to do, is it? We don't want true Christianity to die like the $2 bill. True Christianity, we want it to be expressed out there so that people can see it. And that's really the duty that God gave us when we decided to follow him. Can I just ask one other thing before uh, everyone else goes? Is anyone going to America in the next year? Les Ring, come here please. I've lost it now. Next year. He says he's dropped it somewhere. Oh no, here we go. Let's ring. When you go uh, to America, can you recirculate that $2 bill for me? <laughs> We'll have a prayer whilst the worship team comes up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your gracious love. You uh, really care for us incredibly. You want the best for us. You give us your word to help us and instruct us in our lives. You do have an expectation for our lives, Father. You expect us to uh, take out the mantle that your son uh, gave up for us to help others to get to know you. And uh, what, a, what a great commission, Father, to help others to get to know you. Pray, Father, you give us the confidence, the boldness, uh, the, the bond, Father, that we need to do that, to accomplish that. But also help us in our daily lives, Father, with dis distractions that take, take our minds away from what we know we ought to do. And there are many. They are brought about through work uh, and just the... Uh, and sometimes, Father, we see that as being valid. You know, there's important things to do. But 
Father, the most important thing, that, the best gift we can give anybody is to let them to get to know you. Mm. Pray, Father, you help every member of this church, every part of this fellowship, our brothers and sisters, just to really enjoy their Christian life, Father. There's nothing more that you want as us to be happy and joyful, to love what we're doing, to love those around us. I pray these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh,